Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Amen, amen. Thank you so much, our band, Toddy the man. <laughs> Love you guys. Thanks so much, guys. <clears throat> right. Just want to give a quick shout out to our onlineers. Thanks for joining us and tuning in again. Uh, we're going to go to a few quick photos. I am going to show you a little bit about of my um, recent trip that I did to the Philippines. And it felt so good to be traveling again. Uh, it was just absolutely awesome after all these years. And, you know, the Holy Spirit uh, really put this on my heart. And, you know, when he does that, things start to align that you just don't expect. And so things just started really to align for this trip. And um, the first photo, can we go back to, sorry, to the first photo? Um, this is me with Chuck and Jocelyn, who are my missionary friends. They've planted, helped plant over 100 churches in the Philippines. And then they've got some other pastor friends with them. And the kids that you can see, they belong to a family um, who have started a home church. So where we are right there is actually, uh, their home is on the right-hand side. And where we are sitting is actually the church. Uh, so the dirt floors, they don't have a wall. They've just put a little purple curtain up there as well. And um, it was just great being a part of that and hearing their story. Next slide. Uh, and then I got to go to uh, Mindoro, which is an island about four hours from Manila. And I was with Pastor Mila and then her husband. And the one on the left-hand side is uh, we had a, a meeting with all the young people, with, the, with their youth group. And it was amazing just getting to know all these young people who were so hungry for God. About 60 to 70% of the church is full of young people, youth and young adults, which is incredible to see. Where we were meeting there is actually in their kids' church. Um, because if we go to the next slide, I think there's a video. Hey everyone, this is the new building for Liberty Christian Centre. Uh, hoping to be done by the end of the year. Should seat around 500 according to their estimation, which is pretty incredible. That's the main building. And then this will be the entryway just here that you can see with all the scaffolding going on behind me. And then this here is actually going to be their Sunday school, their kids' ministry room, which is next door. But the good thing is, because it's next door, they can um, open up uh, these walls in here just for people to actually view church as well. So when they grow bigger than, than 500, there'll be space for other people to kind of sit in this children's church as well. So these are all the youth uh, that you can see right now. We're about to have a meeting. Lord, help me. <laughs> so that construction site, they're still doing church there because there's nowhere else for them to meet. So they're still meeting on the construction site. And uh, we as a church have contributed to that church building. And what a blessing we have been for them. So when I went there, they were so incredibly thankful to our church, Macquarie. And so that is us, that we are helping build the kingdom in the Philippines as well. Don't you love that? So um, I love getting to see God's kingdom just continue to work through uh, what we do as a church and your giving. So thank you very much for that, everyone. Awesome. Um, when I went there, though, I... One thing that just kept coming back to me was that God's joy is not found in material possessions. And it's really found in relationships and your understanding of true grace. 
And hearing what God has done and the hope that what these people um, have for the future really filled me up, buttercup. You know, and it brought, these, it brought such a good perspective for me. And sometimes we just need a bit of a perspective shift, don't we? Amen. All right. I just want to draw your attention to two quick things coming up in the life of our church. One of them is our Night Under the Stars. And so this is happening on Saturday, the 20th of August. And this is our amazing opportunity as a church and as our, our, sorry, our backyard team. We do this fundraiser once a year. And there are three different areas we would love you to support as a church. One of them might be to actually sleep in your car on the night. Um, as we know, a lot of our backyard people do that. Uh, or to sponsor, if you're not willing to do that, or if you're not able to do that, you might want to actually sponsor someone to do that. And the other one is support, to come along on the night. And you know what? Just bring a friend along. If you can bring a friend along, that would be fantastic. We've got a great plan um, for the evening, and our wonderful uh, Danny White, love you, Danny. She is um, heading it all up, and so if you want to just raise your hand, Danny. If you want to talk to her at the end of the service or find out anything more, she is the woman um, to speak to. So she'll be just up the back at the end, and you can um, let her know if you would like to help volunteer, because we do need some help with that. Second one is our Lake Mac running, okay, our running festival. And this is where we actually go to our community, not expecting our community to come to us. So I love it when we actually go out and we are serving our community by doing this. So we need volunteers. And we have an amazing ongoing relationship with the event organizers at Lake Mac Running Festival. I met up with them on Friday. And I, as I was talking to them, I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me. He said, I want you to ask them if you can pray for them in the event. And so I did. And they were really open to the prayer. And as I finished the prayer, they go, oh, and don't forget to pray for the weather as well. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry, Lord. We bring that one in and we ask for good weather too. So um, we need about 16 to 18 volunteers for this. It is um, for a period of time on the Saturday afternoon to help give out the packs of registration, but then also on the Sunday morning itself when the event is taking place. So you can register to help and be a volunteer online. Um, that would be terrific. Awesome. Who has been enjoying our Roman series? Yeah, lots of us have been loving it. And today we're going to look at Romans 5 and 6. And the main thing that really springs to life is grace. And the scriptural gold that is in this passage, we could be unpacking all day. So we're actually going to spend the next six hours here, everyone, you know, while I unpack. So forget about lunch. No, I'm only joking you. Uh, only joking, but just a quick summary of these two chapters. Paul really draws our attention to the first thing about being justified by grace through faith. Then he moves on to the practical benefits of this divine grace. And then the last thing he brings our attention to is actually dying to sin and living for righteousness. All right, Romans 5, verse 1 to 2. Therefore, since we have been justified, which that justification right there is cleared from any charge. And one scholar actually put it this way, the admittance to the enjoyment of divine favor. Wow. Through faith... Now, that faith there is actually the redeeming belief that qualifies you for this justification. It's not how many hours of work you did this week. It's not how you open the door for your neighbor. 
It's not how morally perfect your journey is or even your 100% score on Wordle, like I got a number of times this week. Yes. Um, if you don't know what Wordle is, don't worry. Don't have time to explain it. But we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access. Now, that access is permanent, absolutely permanent possession for us. Anytime, anywhere, anybody, any place, any need, by faith into this grace in which we now stand. This is truly one of the great grace scriptures of the Bible. And so please let me highlight this to you. The legal decree of your guilty sentence, your sin, even your deeds, which are actually seen as filthy rags, it says in Isaiah 64, is transformed into a sentence then of being justified, into this stance of grace. And so the stance of grace is a posture. It's a position that says my brokenness has qualified me. It's my sin and my brokenness that actually enables me to stand in that posture of grace. And I will unpack that a bit more. Stance of grace is highlighted so well in John 8, verse 4 to 11. I'm just going to read this really quickly. Teacher, they said to Jesus. This woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. See, straight away, he changes his posture. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. He's changing his posture once again. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. I want to draw your attention in this passage to what Jesus is doing. And he's not doing an aerobics <laughs> workout, standing up, stooping down. He's not doing an F45 program, okay? He's not doing that. He would have been a pretty fit man being a carpenter and having that background and walking all over Jerusalem and all the area that he covered. Um, but he knows that grace has a stance, and he knows that the law also has a stance. And the stance of law looks like this in the story. Two stances of law that we can see. Firstly, the woman who is caught in adultery. You can imagine her being dragged in against her will, thrown into the dirt, not making any eye contact with her accusers, not even Jesus. And so the shame position you're seeing right there in the story. The other position and stance you're seeing from based on this law is the stone throwers, the accusers, who have got their rocks shined up, polished, ready to go. Judgment and shame. But Jesus, man, it just amazes me this. But true grace changes posture. True grace changes posture. It alerts, it, sorry, it alters the judgment. 
Jesus stooping down to the level of the accused and guilty. He stoops down to her level. Romans 5, 6 says this, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Here is this lady, powerless. Here is this lady at the mercy of the mob. Spurgeon says this, You will say, oh, I am one of the worst in the world. Christ died for the worst in the world. Oh, but I have no power to do better. Christ died for those that were without strength. Oh, but my case condemns itself. Christ died for those who are legally uh, condemned. But my case is hopeless. Christ died for the hopeless. He is the hope of the hopeless. He is the saviour, not of those who were partly lost, but those who are wholly lost. Here is this woman wholly lost her lowest is then met with his highest and joseph prince says this the law condemns the best of us but grace saves the worst of us and we are seeing right now this in action and what worst of us has god's grace saved you from god's grace has saved me from sometimes the worst the worst parts of me But that worst part of me, just like this lady who's been caught, is the thing that then qualifies me to receive and stand in his grace. I love this story so much because Jesus changes his posture before the woman woman changes her posture. Before you are at your worst, he stooped down and is there to catch you, to bring you back into the stance of grace. God stoops... He stoops down so that you can stand. So that this woman can then go away free with no accusers left. And so today our self-righteousness, our fear, our anger have actually even caused a lot of Christians to stand in the accuser position with our rocks ready to go, ready to throw, ready to accuse But Dan, if you know what that person did to me this week, if you know what my auntie has been annoying me with lately, if you knew what I had to forgive my mother for, (laughs) a lot, a long list. (laughs) But as soon as you step into, well, it's my right. It's my right to accuse. It's my right to hold that against them. As soon as you step into that, you're lifting that rock up in your hand. And so I want to really challenge you today not to be a stone thrower, but a stone catcher. Catch stones. Grace to grace, because freely have you received and so freely give. It is unbelievably hard to be a stone catcher. It hurts. You know, when we see the Australian cricket team or watching professional cricket players and they're in the slips and that ball comes through at 150 clicks as someone's edged it and their hands are ready to catch and the impact into their hands, they have to have their soft hands. They have to use their hands in a position where they don't get the fingers trapped or their hands are too hard where the ball will fall out. And so it's a bit of a skill. But I see that happening here with the stone catching for us as Christians. For us to stone catch, for us to deflect, 
for us to be to stand in a position of mercy and to stand in a position of grace to look at others that way, we have to cushion. We have to allow our hands to be soft. Let's keep moving. <clears throat> Romans 5, verse 3 to 4. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. Uh, why does the Bible always go on about endurance? And patient endurance where we'll find our character and proven character leads us back to hope. You know, <laughs> I would rather just go to bed at night and God just sprinkle a bit of perseverance or a little bit of patience on me, you know. Here you go, Dan, there's a little bit of patience for you, buddy. I know you've got a big day of work tomorrow, teaching all those year one kids, but here you go, mate. There's a bit more patience for you, a bit of salt and pepper. Yep, yep, there you go, champ. I would much rather that. How easy would that be? But he doesn't do that. It's not his way of working. And so naturally, the tribulation, naturally the pressure works impatience in me. Naturally, uh, I miss the fruit of the experience often when it comes to these tribulations. And it sours sometimes into a hopelessness for me rather than hope. And I'm sure lots of you could join with me on that. Sometimes these pressures feel like they develop more hopelessness than hope. And this is one of those moments I look in the Bible and go, ha ha, God, great joke, that's funny. Yeah, you're having us on again, having a great laugh. But no, there's no funny side to this scripture. We glory in tribulation, one version says. Glory in tribulation? You're kidding me. You know, the other day, uh, my little 11-month-old little one, Lola, she was playing with some aluminium foil, looking at it, and she discovered that she could actually pull it apart like this. And, you know, I just gave it to her as a bit of a distraction to keep her busy for a while. But I actually really enjoyed watching her play and discover her little strength that she could do and even though she was making a mess and I was going to have to be cleaning it up I was the one that was going to have to be responsible for that it gave this great distraction oh it was an awesome distraction and as a parent sometimes that distraction is all you need um, but it gave me this insight joy can be found in mess here she is playing with it loving it looking at the shiny part wow it's shiny this kind of take on it. And I'm also getting joy just watching her discover it. And that's sometimes the way the Father views, views it for us. And I love what Bill Johnson said um, just recently with the passing of his wife. He said this, There is a certain kind of joy in peace you can only find in the valley of the shadow of death. And I really think David knew that as well, passing through the valley of the shadow, uh, passing through the valley of the shadow of death. He understood that there's only, only this side of eternity, is there a, a joy and a peace that God can grace you with, and things that you can learn in that place. Because in heaven, there's not going to be any loss, there's not going to be any pain, and so only this side of eternity will you get to experience having a joy and a peace in a tribulation. Can I tell you, encourage you, though, that your perseverance in even the tiniest step forward, the tiniest step forward in a tribulation needs, needs you, okay, to reward yourself. It needs to be celebrated. 
when you make a step forward in a tribulation and you persevere, celebrate it. I'm going to keep moving. Um, I'm just going to miss a little bit of this next part because we're running out of time. So I'm going to skip into Romans 6, verse 23. Um, Romans 6, verse 23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I get the keys? Oh, thank you. I want to finish on this story. <clears throat> uh, it's in this book by Brian Stevenson called Just Mercy. And Brian is a lawyer in Southern America who defends clients on death row. By the time Jimmy Dill was scheduled for execution in Alabama, the entire EJI staff were exhausted. The execution date couldn't have come at a more difficult time. We had no prior involvement in Mr. Dill's case, which meant getting up to speed in the 30 days before his scheduled execution. It was, un sorry, it was an unusual crime. Mr. Dill was accused of shooting someone during the course of a drug deal after an argument erupted. The shooting victim did not die. Mr. Dill was arrested and charged with aggravated assault. He was in jail for nine months awaiting trial while the victim was released from the hospital and was recovering fine. But after several months of caring for him at home, the victim's wife apparently abandoned him and he became gravely ill. When he died, state prosecutors cha sorry, changed the charges against Mr. Dill from assault to capital murder. So Jimmy Dill suffered from an intellectual dis disability and had been sexually and physically abused throughout his childhood. He struggled with drug addiction un until his arrest. He was appointed counsel. He did very little to prepare the case for trial. Almost no investigation was done into the poor medical care the victim had received, care that constituted the actual cause of death. The state made a plea offer for 20 years but it was never adequately communicated to Mr. Dill. So he went to trial, was convicted, and was sentenced to death. I was in my office talking to Jimmy Dill on the night of his execution, and I realized I was thinking about something that had happened nearly 40... Sorry, I was in my office talking to Jimmy Dill on the night of his execution. Mr. Dill was still laboring to get his words out desperately trying to thank me for trying to save his life. As it got closer and closer to the time of his execution, it became harder for him to speak. The guards were making noises behind him, and I could tell he was upset that he couldn't get his words out right due to his stuttering. But I didn't want to interrupt him, so I sat there and let the tears fall down my face. On the phone with Mr. Dill, I thought about all of his struggles and all the terrible things he'd gone through and how his disabilities had broken him. There was no excuse for him to have shot someone, but it didn't make sense to kill him. I began to get angry about it. Why do we want to kill all the broken people? What is wrong with us that we think a thing like that can be right? And so for the first time, I realized that my life was just full of brokenness. I worked in a broken system of justice. My clients were broken by mental illness, poverty, and racism. They were torn apart by disease, drugs, alcohol, pride, fear, and anger. It took me a while to sort it out, but I realized something sitting there while Jimmy Dill was being killed at Holman Prison. After working for more than 25 years, I understood that I don't do what I do because it's required 
or necessary or important. I do what I do because I have no choice. I do what I do because I'm broken too. We are all broken by something. We've all hurt someone and have been hurt. We all share the condition of brokenness even even if our brokenness is not equivalent. I desperately wanted mercy for Jimmy Dill and would have done anything to create justice for him. But I couldn't pretend that his struggle was disconnected from my own. The ways in which I have been hurt and have hurt others are different from the ways Jimmy Dill suffered and caused suffering. But our shared brokenness connected us. Each of us is more than the worst thing that we have ever done. If you've lied, you're not just a liar. If you've stolen, you're not just a thief. If you've been to prison, you're not just a prisoner. If you are broken, you are more than broken. And so embracing that brokenness creates a need and a desire for grace. And even though you today might even feel caught in a web of hurt, of brokenness, we're also in a web of healing and mercy. And right as I come to the very end, there's one picture I just want to show you. The Pieta. Michelangelo created this when he was 23 years old. And it was actually the only piece of artwork he ever signed. But what I love is how it captures our broken Christ. He was broken for you. He understands what it's like to be broken. And so he allowed his body to be bruised, broken for us. And so today I want to leave you with this. Don't undervalue his brokenness for your righteousness, for your right standing and posture of grace. Don't undervalue his brokenness for you. So I'd love us just to stand. And just close your eyes. The grace of God is an amazing thing. It never leaves us just where we are. And a true revelation of grace actually causes you not to what, uh, sorry, a true revelation of grace causes you to not want to sin. When you have a true understanding of what he has done, a true belief in what he says about you, it changes you. And I've got a long way to go to learn still about this posture of grace, as we all do. But right now, I'd love it if, while all eyes are closed, if right now you feel that God wants to take you from a position, from a position that is either one that is in brokenness with or a disbelief into a stance of grace. And what I really want him, really, what I really want you to do is actually, if that's you, if you feel that God wants to take you into that position of grace, into that stance of grace, I'd love you just to raise a hand. I'd love it if you can raise a hand right now. Because there are times when we all need to take a stronger stance in that grace. 
And right now, he's just gonna, I'm just believing that he is nudging some of you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Wow, Father. Wow, Lord. It's hard to have grace for ourselves sometimes, Lord. It's hard to have grace to even forgive ourselves. And you see all these hands here. And I ask, Lord, that you, Father, would help them to see that they no longer have to stand in a position where they're reflecting on their sin, but they're seeing themselves in a, as a righteousness, the way that you see them, standing in a position of grace, standing in a position of hope, standing in a position of light, standing in a position of love, and that's all because of what you've done. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Just speak to them now. Remind them about what you have done. Your righteousness is what you have done that makes us right, not what we have done. Thank you that we can stand in that position of grace in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. If anyone else here would like to receive Jesus today and accept him, as Lord and Saviour, come and speak to me at the end of the service. I would love to have a conversation with you and so that you can then begin this journey of grace and having him as Lord and Saviour of your life. Awesome. Thanks, church. Thanks, Donna. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit mccroylifechurch.com.au.